Hey John, guess what? What? We're back. I didn't realise we've been away. No, we've not. Beyond the Box Set, the podcast where you pitch prequels, sequels and spin-offs to films that don't have any. That's the intro. I'm Harry, and joining me as always is John. Hello. Right, uh, is it my, no, it was your choice this week, wasn't this it? This was my choice. Although, once again, I've chosen a film that neither of us have seen, so it's yeah. kind of irrelevant. I, I didn't realise you hadn't seen this. No, I hadn't seen it, no. Oh, no, we had this whole conversation. Yes. Come back to me now. Mm-hmm. 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 These episodes just in one ear out the other with you, isn't it? As soon as they're yeah. done, they're just forgotten forever. Genuinely don't know what, what last week's episode was. No. Well... <laughs> Yes, why did you choose this film? I chose Scott Pilgrim vs. the World because last week after our episode recording, which was District 9, mm-hmm. uh, we went to see oh, the yes. Edgar Wright film Baby Driver. I did that too, yeah. Yep. So oh, it's all coming back to you now, isn't it? Hey, I drank a lot <laughs> last night, okay? Uh, we both did. So yeah, we, saw, we went to see Baby Driver and so I thought, well, I've not actually seen this other Edgar Wright film. I like his work in general. I've seen the Cornetto trilogy, yeah. but I've not... I've mean, never seen Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, and I thought, why not? You know, it's on theme at the moment. He's mm-hmm. in the news, the new film was out, and yeah. So I thought, why not? So hence, Scott Pilgrim. Well, I absolutely loved it. Really? I thought it was really good. Okay. And I enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed Baby Driver, and mm-hmm. as much as I enjoyed the Cornetto trilogy. I mm-hmm. think they're all kind of on par with each other. What, what did you think? How, how would you sort of rank this against his other films? Mm, I didn't like this so much. Did you not? No, I had some real problems with this film. Okay. Do go on. This film just needed to take a fucking chill pill. Like, Why? It was just so much. It felt like it really needed editing. Okay. You look like you very much disagree, which is fine. Yeah. Okay, so when the film began, actually, because it was doing something quite different. Mm-hmm. So for the first 10 minutes, I was, you know, kind of sort of like, oh, I really like this. This is kind of quite charming and fun. Mm-hmm. And then about 40 minutes in, I kind of was like, I hate this. <laughs> this is annoying and obnoxious and loud, and it's just... <laughs> well, well, well. You're quite the opponent, Pilgrim. Who the hell are you, anyway? My name is Matthew Patel, and I'm Ramona's first evil ex-boyfriend. <sighs> For what? Was it because it was too stylized? It was... To a degree, the fact that it was so stylized, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. I don't mind watching stylized movies. Mm-hmm. It was more the fact that... Actually, I'll tell you what I think it was. I think it was just Michael Cera. Because you've never seen Arrested Development, have you? No. Which I find very upsetting. But what? <laughs> so what do you know Michael Cera from? What, what do you most associate him with prior to this? Uh, now, see, about an hour ago, I only just worked out that him and Paul Dano are not the same person. Oh, okay. So, so have you actually seen any of his films? Aside from you know, I don't, I don't think I have. No, okay. So um, this is my problem. Yeah. Because so I first came to know Michael Cera, like many people, when he was in Arrested Development, mm-hmm. in which he is really good mm. as part of an ensemble, and he's he's playing an awkward kind of teenage, socially awkward teenager. Yeah. And he's perfect. He's really really funny as part of an ensemble of really funny people. I think the success of that show, because everyone in that show went on to greater things, it's one of those shows that just elevated every member of its cast to mm-hmm. Will Arnett's in the Lego movie now Jeffrey Tambor's in Transparent it totally revitalised Jason Bateman's career and Michael yeah. Serra briefly became a movie star and he, he played the lead in a lot of films in a very short space of time I think The Superbad was another one that he did which I've not seen Oh yeah, but have you seen Superbad? No No. 
And I, there, there's been other ones as well that I can't remember off the top of my head. But he's, he did a lot. And watching this, he, he is very funny, but he's not... I don't think he's a leading man. Mm. I don't think there's a reason he's not been in a leading man role in quite a while. I think it's because I don't think any of those films actually made a lot of money. I may be wrong. He's just kind of hard to watch for two hours straight. Because <laughs> I think when a film is this stylized, mm. it needs someone who can really sell it. Someone who's really charismatic and can make you buy into this crazy concept. And I don't think Michael Serra has that. I don't think that anybody with charisma would have suited the role, though. I don't mean movie star charisma in the traditional sense. You're right, he, he, him being awkward and nerdy is definitely part of his mm-hmm. character. But it just it just didn't sell for me. I, I just didn't find it. It's not that he wasn't believable in the role. It was more mm. that I just didn't find him interesting to watch at all. Sure. And in all the fight scenes, that they should be really you know exciting and you know because they're so visually interesting mm-hmm. but just with him he was just like this black hole at the center of it it was just it, was, it just felt like it was all built around the fact that he wasn't very physical he wasn't very good at embodying that physicality of it mm-hmm. and i think it would have been funny because he doesn't obviously he doesn't look like he would be very physically able in terms of fighting and stuff and that yeah. therein lies some humor yeah but i think it would be funnier if either he was playing up how non-physical he was and there was physical humor in him like tripping over and kind of stuff or the other way where he suddenly because tra- it is kind of a fantasy where he did he did really transform into this amazing fighter I don't think mm. either of those things happened it was just kind of like it felt like the CGI was doing a lot of the heavy lifting around him yeah that kind of leads me on to, to my point which was I, I didn't really know what this film was like is this imagination is mm-hmm. this like a world where there's superpowers is this just somebody playing a computer game that we're going to see at the end of the film yeah. Well, I, I find it very confusing, but I, I just sort of accepted it by about the second fight. Mm-hmm. Well, it's based on a series of graphic novels, so it's okay. a, it's a comic book essentially. Right. But yeah, that that's another problem that I had is that I feel like because it's based on a series of graphic novels, it, it mm-hmm. was it feels like it was very true to those novels. I've not read them, but it feels like it's kind of tried to cram everything in from the novel into a, a movie that clocks in under two hours. Yeah. And it was just too too much. Do you think? Like, there were just so many characters that just didn't have anything to do with the plot. It was like, what? Like, why was Aubrey Plaza in this movie? Who was she in this movie? She was a bit of humour. She was she? Like, I mean, it's always nice to see her, but she she did not she did nothing to do with the plot along whatsoever. Same with Anna Kendrick. Her character, those characters just disappeared. They just came and went and added nothing. I don't even think yeah. they were particularly funny. Yeah, just, I'll give you that on Anna Kendrick. Yeah, they they were just kind of there, and it just felt like it needed to be edited down a little bit. Anna Kendrick was there for a sort of exposition. She was. She was an exhibition. But they, they, they could have combined those two roles and had one character who at least would have had some purpose rather than two kind of vaguely recognisable actresses just floating around. Maybe, yeah. yeah. But the thing about Michael Serra, I realised, I was trying to figure out, why don't I like you? And I realised that one of the problem is that he always has the look of somebody who has accidentally got a job he's totally unqualified for. <laughs> you know, like he's lied at the interview and then shit, he's got the job. And then he's waiting to be found out. Mm. That's his facial expression throughout this film. <laughs> and I suspect throughout most of his, that time when he was actually having million, multi-million dollar movies built around him, mm. I can't imagine that was what was running through his head. Because mm-hmm. he just, he just always looks really nervous and angsty, but not in a way that I find fun to watch. It's, it kind of puts me on edge a little bit. So Sure. Yeah. But so, you know, clearly a lot of people, this film does really divide opinion. Look at, like, looking through various reviews and through mentioning it on, on our Twitter feed. Mm-hmm. There's pe- we had people come back who said they absolutely loved it, one of their favourite films ever, and other people who just, Hated it, found it really irritating and obnoxious. So. Oh, great. But I do. I feel like maybe if this had been a Simon Pegg and Nick Frost again, mm-hmm. it could have been a better film. I think they could have sold it. I think this is the first time Ed Wright took a, took that kind of low-budget British 
filmmaking style and then applied it to a big American film mm. and filled it with kind of movie stars or young movie stars anyway. And I just don't think, I think Baby Driver did it better. I think he's be- he got better at it by Baby Driver. Uh, getting that balance right. Well, this is all largely your opinion. Yeah, of course, which, of course. Yeah. Which, Clearly which I, disagree, which is Yeah, I don't agree with. Yeah. Well, tell us some, um, some, some, some things you really, you, that made you like this film so much then. Well, I like any film that's heavily stylized, mm-hmm. And this one was definitely that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, I, I enjoyed pretty much every, every action beat of it. I enjoyed, uh, oh, one thing I didn't like actually was the credits at the start just mm-hmm. tell you everybody who's in it, mm-hmm. which I, I never like in a film. I always mm-hmm. like to be surprised, like, ah, oh, it's that person. Mm-hmm. You know, you get a nice reveal of who somebody is. Yeah. Um, but obviously I was just waiting for all the people I knew to come into it at different points. Mm-hmm. They must have blown so much budget on the cast in this film. Yeah, they Everyone's in this film. Yeah. Like, there's so many people in this. That doesn't mean there are just so many characters. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you think of the wigs? Oh, I was so going to get onto the... This is a wiggy, wiggy movie. Isn't this it? film should have been called Scott Pilgrim versus Wigs. Versus the Wigs. <laughs> it was... Yeah, I mean, that did... That was entertaining for me. Again, it must have been a choice because so many characters were in such terrible, terrible wigs. Mm. Brandon Roof. Is it Roof or Ralph? Uh, Super, Roof, ex, I think. Brandon Roof, ex-Superman. What was that? Well, I mean, it was CGI'd. That CGI wig, really? Yeah. Oh, I just thought it was a very. Well, it, it definitely was at the end of his character arc. Oh, I guess yeah, but in the I just I just assumed. But yeah, that was uh, yeah. that was so out of place. Especially, I mean, it, it was comical. Yeah, exactly. And then Brie Larson as well was stuck in a really bad wig. Mm-hmm. Ram- Ramona was the main girl. I'm pretty sure she was flipping a wig every twenty minutes when her hair <laughs> colour changed. It was oh, yeah, it, it was a it was a real wig fest. Mm. Although the most offensive hair to me was the real hair of Michael Sarah. <laughs> really? Which I know that they mentioned it a couple of times, yeah. but that hair was a hate crime. <laughs> that was awful. He cut it himself. Like you've had a you've had quite a hair journey over the past year, but even at the height of your hirsuteness, it was never as bad as that. Like the shape of it and the way it sat on his head, it was, it was awful. And it was like it, it felt like every few minutes it would it would it would it would move around on his head and look even worse. There's a lot of hate in you right now. I really, I really, most I think most of my antipathy towards Michael Sarah might actually be towards his hair. Sure. Yeah. I, it was like a. 80s anties helmet on his head. Okay. It was, yeah, <laughs> very upsetting. But I did enjoy the wigs in general. Mm. Um, now, go back a little bit. You said that it, this might be quite different if Simon Pegg and Nick Frost were in this. Yes. Who would you cast them? Who would, you, who would they be playing? Oh, uh, well, I, I think Michael Cera was playing the Simon Pegg role. Mm-hmm. So he might, might, that would be Simon Pegg. Okay. Uh, and then, obviously, I guess Nick Frost would play... Well, Nick Frost would play Kieran Culkin's character, Wallace, the gay kid. Thank you. Guy, I, yeah, yeah I, I agree completely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who was my favourite character? Perhaps predictably, but I really liked him. Because he was gay? Yes. Mm-hmm. No, because he was he was actually funny. <laughs> yeah. He was genuinely funny. True, but weren't lots of characters? Oh, I didn't find a lot of them that funny. I felt I felt like Chris Evans? Not really. I mean On I know skateboard. He spe- I love watching people who are way too old to be skateboarding. Yeah. Doing skateboarding. Yeah, that was funny, but yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of like real scenery chewing in this film. Mm-hmm. Like everyone, it felt everyone was having a lot of fun making it at least. But yeah, everyone was really hamming it up. Mm. Um, so I think I appreciated Kieran Culkin because he he was the only character who was kind of underplaying it. He was very like sarcastic, and yeah. it felt like he was the smartest person in the film, and it felt like he was your audience substitute who was like seeing the film yeah, through human eyes rather than being in this. You know, you have to break up with knives. A poor angel today <laughs> but it's hard if you don't i'm going to tell ramona about knives i swear to god scott what hey morning 
Hey, Jimmy. Double standard! I didn't make up the gay rule book. You got a problem with it? Stop. Take it up with Liberace's ghost. You're a monster. Oh, I really liked the whole joke about him being able to spread gossip even while unconscious. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that was good. That's something I aspire to. So. <laughs> so that was, yeah. There were some really good jokes in this, because Edgar Wright does make funny films. So mm-hmm. I didn't hate this, I just found it kind of irritating. Yeah. What was their relationship, though? Because they were, like, sharing a bed living in this, like, squalor. Like, um, hmm, I, I don't know. In one of the ideas that I was going to do, um, I was going to kind of do the same again, but from uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead's point of view. Mm-hmm. Well, not really the same again, but that kind of thing where she has to battle his exes. Yes. And then redo the joke of, oh, yeah, this one time I had a phase. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and it's him. Yeah. Yeah, well, that would make sense because, yeah. There's one thing I thought about this film is it validated something that I started to suspect when watching Baby Driver, which I did enjoy, mm. but I did come out of Baby Driver thinking Edgar Wright doesn't write women very well. And watching this film really validated that for me. He is terrible at writing women. The women in this film are horribly written. Yeah, I tend to agree on that. Yeah. Like, again, I mean, literally just prizes to be won. Mm. And, you know, you've got Ramona who doesn't really get much to do. She, mm-hmm. she, she just is floating around as the love interest and she has no agency of her own. And then there's, the worst one is poor Knives, that poor yeah. woman, that poor girl. <laughs> so this is your secret lair? Yeah. yeah. Can I come in? My secret lair is one of those no girls allowed type deals. Oh, okay. Are you even allowed to date outside your race or whatever? I don't care. <laughs> Remember, you are supposed to meet me at the bus stop a half hour ago. How can I possibly forget? Race came to see your show. Go get her. What? You've been fighting for her all along. But what about you? I'll be fine. Just such a demeaning role. Like, and I hate that. This is the other thing. I think because the film, the main character is basically two-timing these women throughout the film, mm. you need somebody who's going to be charismatic enough to make you forgive him for that and root for him to be with one of them but that never happened for me mm-hmm. I just when at the end when he explains that he's been seeing them both at the same time and they both forgive him so quickly like Knives is never even angry because she's just this pathetic little puppy creature that mm-hmm. follows him around regardless mm-hmm. and, just, and then Ramona's like briefly mad but then as soon as he defeats Gideon Jason Schwartzman's yeah. character yeah, yeah. she's like okay cool we're fine we're cool um, yeah. it just yeah it, 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 he definitely has a problem writing interest, interesting female characters because the waitress in the love interest in Baby Driver has the same problem where she's just following him around yeah. inexplicably falls in love with him and then just forgives everything and is just the, the prize at the end of the film he just wins a girl so yeah that, that was a problem yeah. for me but so that that validated that but I did find it interesting that he's not good at writing women but he's actually okay at writing gay characters because I thought that, as I say, the Kieran Culkin character, the Wallace, was was easily the most interesting character in the film for me. Mm-hmm. Not just because he's gay, but because he is. Trying to give me evils right now. Yeah. But because he was funny, he was intelligent, he was well rounded. You know, he wasn't stereotypical. A lot of films like this, you get the gay character is going to be the, the comedy gay, and mm-hmm. it's all going to be built around like a lot of quite lazy stereotypes. But he did that. He didn't play into it at all. The fact that he was gay was kind of immaterial, right? Yeah. You know? Which I liked. Obviously, Nick Frost and Sam Pegg, they've never, they've never played gay, but there's always that real homoeroticism where they're. Mm. In every one of the Cornetto trilogy films, you can kind of argue that theirs is the true romance of the film. Mm-hmm. Even though there's usually a woman as well in them, mm-hmm. you kind of feel like the real. Especially in Shaun of the Dead, particularly. Shaun of the Dead, yeah. the real love, inter- love story is between Nick Frost and Sam Pegg, not, not Sam Pegg and Lucy Davies. Is it Lucy Davies? Uh, yes, it is. 
Oh, wait, no, isn't Lucy Davies the, the girlfriend of the other guy who's the main love interest in the film? Um, or is it Lucy Davies? Maybe it's someone not. See, they're so forgettable that they really blend. His female <laughs> characters really blend into one for me. Yeah. I think my favourite character in it has to be Chris Evans. Okay. A brief role. Yeah, it, it was a brief role, but mm. I think that he just, he just played it so well. He looked like he was having so much fun while yeah. doing it. Mm. Looks like you're seeing double. <laughs> He's good, right? Sometimes I let him do the wide shots when I feel like getting blazed back in my Winnie. Well, I'll give it that. As I said, the characters did seem like they were having a lot of fun. I feel like what could have made this movie better, actually, is if they'd split it into two movies and made it like Kill Bill. Mm-hmm. Because one problem I had... I think the the seven X's themselves were some of the funnier characters in the film. Mm. But aside from Jason Schwartzman at the end, they just kind of cycle through them really fast and none of them really get more than maybe five minutes of screen time. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of... It means that a lot of the jokes don't really land because they don't really have enough time to bed in. So... Yeah, I would have liked maybe two movies, one with the first three and then another one with the next four or something. Because what can you really say about the first one or the twins? Or... Yeah, Chris, the Chris Evans one's funny because he's making fun of his own image. Mm-hmm. And the Brandon Ruth one's funny because it's kind of the, you know, this, the, the whole veganism, kind of, you know, hipster yeah. vegan. Yeah. But, so yeah, I admit that, the, that that was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I could have done with a bit more time spans on them. But I didn't want this one to be longer because it already felt too long at under two hours. But I feel like if they split into two, the pacing could have been better, I think. So that would be my suggestion for fixing this film. <laughs> Your BF's about to get effed in the bee! I did find it very weird that he's supposed to be this super awkward person who doesn't really know how to talk to anybody, but he's got a lot of exes as well. Yes, and this is another problem. And we're dating two women throughout a lot of the film. And this is another problem I had, I think, with the film, is that I really struggle to see Michael Sarah as a sexual being. Mm. I can't imagine him in any kind of sexual situation. Like, the scene where they're naked in bed together... Mm -hmm. I know it's not played to be super erotic because it's like, it's like the post-coital scene and it's supposed to just be cute, but I just, it looked weird. It didn't look like they'd had sex. I, could, I, just, I just didn't buy it. That yeah. was the point I had a lot of this film is I just didn't buy it. And, mm-hmm. and you, this is the kind of film you need to buy into mm-hmm. and I wasn't able to, but you were, so, you know, yeah. and a lot of people were. So, did you know, before we go into our own sequels, mm-hmm. there was actually an alternative ending to this film. All right. So the ending, the, the ending they originally shot had him ending it with knives at the end, mm-hmm. but then the audience didn't like that. So they changed it and shot the ending where he kind of ends up with Ramona instead. Great. What would you would, would you think was, would have been the better ending? Um, I think it's better this way. I think it makes Knives a bit of a stronger character rather than... Mm-hmm. Yeah, he didn't deserve Knives. She didn't deserve him. Well, what did she do? Wait, well, she didn't des- uh, no, 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 sorry. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Mixed up. yeah, she was... She just got way, treated like way, shit. Yeah, way better than him. Yeah, I hope Knives went through a bit of a maturing process and uh, looked back on that relationship for the shithole it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So that's my thoughts on that film. So not not a, not a favourite, but uh, not the worst <laughs> thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Well, so. you chose it. Yeah, I did. So I have no one to blame but myself. <laughs> so uh, it's your turn to go first. Give me a sequel. Yeah, it is. Okay. So mine is called Scott Pilgrim versus the West. Oh, okay. So guess what genre I've picked for this one? One of a Western. You like a Western. <laughs> I do. Westerns are so good. Mm-hmm. All the best films can, can be done as Westerns mm-hmm. or are based off Westerns. Well, it's, a cla- it's the classic storytelling <clears throat> trope. So <clears throat> it's, it's a good way to tell stories. Cool. So... This is a film that is still directed by Edgar Wright okay. and features most of the same cast. Mm-hmm. Wasn't so, Hot Fuzz kind of based on a Western? I'm sure it's kind of a, either the good, the bad, and the ugly, or it's one of the famous Westerns I'm pretty sure it's based on. Interesting. Yeah. Mm, I haven't watched that in years. So mm-hmm. I might watch it again. But yeah, so I thought that, you know, he's got the Cornetto trilogy, mm-hmm. which is with the same cast every time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to sort of start a new thing of Edgar Wright things. So the Scott Pilgrim series. Okay. Scott Pilgrim vs. the West. Okay. So, so this is the beginning of a trilogy. 
maybe, mm-hmm. or maybe this number two in trilogy, or maybe it's just a series, and maybe it's just a one film. I don't okay. know. So we open with some kind of crime happening, mm-hmm. um, just in a in a western town in mm-hmm. the Wild West, like the Wild West back in the day as well. Okay, yeah. So it's sort of timeless almost. Yeah. So um, classic cowboys and Indians kind yeah. of. Yeah. Maybe it's a bank robbery, something like that. It doesn't particularly matter. Someone gets shot dead okay. um, and the robber gets away on their horse uh, riding west. The robber is Ramona, still okay. played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Okay. And she's still called Ramona Flowers, so I'm keeping most of the character names in this as well, which mm-hmm. is a, a little different. And that's just uh, our intro. Mm-hmm. So we then cut to Scott, still Michael Cera, who is a bounty hunter in the Wild West. And he's in the pub with his two bounty hunter friends. Um, who are the band members? Okay, which two? But so is the two male band members because there was the girl as well. Oh yeah, sorry, I forgot about Young Neil. Yeah. Was he in the band all the time? Was he just like hang, hanging around until he left? Yeah, he was just sort of hanging around. Yeah. It's kind of fitting that you forgot Young Neil. Yeah, so that's fine. Let's forget <laughs> Young Neil. Yeah. So this is the not it was the actress. It wasn't Brie Larson. It was Alison Pill. Alison Pill. Alison yeah. Pill and the guy Stephen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And so those two, well, the three of them are there talking about uh, their bounty hunting. Stuff and uh, they say uh, they say to Scott. So Scott, have you have you have you got anybody at the moment that you're you know waiting to hand over? He says, Oh yeah, I've actually yeah, I've actually got somebody outside. And they're like, Yeah, really? Who? He's like, uh, Knives Chow. Uh, and like, okay, yeah. So what, she 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 goes with knives. And he's like, No, no, no. She um she was wanted for tickling the sheriff while he was just going about his business. And they're like, Scott, come on, you can you can do better than that. <laughs> So you see, I'm largely just using the same plot. I'm just yes. putting it in a Western feel. Yeah, why was she called Knives? Did they explain that? I think it was just a joke because he looked at two things that he could see. To oh, so her name wasn't actually name. Knives? No, her, her name was Knives, but it was just... The joke at the start of the film was to make it look like he'd made her up. Oh, I see, okay. And then he hadn't. Um, and so at this point, Scott looks up on the nose board and he sees a wanted poster with a large bounty. Mm-hmm. Ramona Flowers is on the run again. Maybe I'll catch her. No, Scott, she's too dangerous. Don't you know how, how many bounty hunters have tried to get her? I'm going to do it anyway. Well, we're getting dialogue back. I like it when you do dialogue. I'll <laughs> <laughs> do voices. I'd have to do accents, like Western accents. Yeah, go on. Embrace. What does a Western accent sound like? Like Clint Eastwood, like West, you know, Texan, a draw, you know, a good Texan draw. You know. You're yeah. so good, the bad and ugly, that. You know. True, true, okay. Well, there's going to be some good lines anyway. So he immediately leave, leaves the pub, um, sets knives free, and just rides off. Okay. To, uh, in, into the west to go. So knives was to, outside to the, the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah tied yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. he just cut her loose now. Yeah. Okay. His horse is quite fast actually, so eventually he catches sight of her. Okay. Um, and he just stalks her for a bit to try and catch her at some point. Yes. Did you have a question? No, I'm just just so all of these people are played by the original actors. Mm, yeah. Okay, fine. Cool. So far. Yes. So far. Okay. When it hits night time, um, he goes over to her camp and she's asleep. Mm-hmm. So he takes her gun and points it at her and says, wake up. She does. One thing leads to another and she ends up in cuffs. Okay. In a sexual situation? Yeah, make of that what you will. You, you said it very much like it was some kind of kinky roleplay <laughs> thing happening. Right? Um, no, no, no. She's just tied up. She's okay. being caught, essentially. Okay. You think you can get me back to town? Seven other bounty hunters have already tried and they're still after me. Shut up, slag. Shut up, slag. Yeah, I, I want him to be this kind of character. He's what just a, what a misogynist. Just an awful man. Yeah. Also, slag is a very English term for. A... Is it? <laughs> yeah. I don't think Americans are like you slag. <laughs> That's like Cockney. Yeah. When, when have you ever heard the word slag in like an American movie? Mm, fair. Okay. All right. Well, he's Cockney. Okay. <laughs> 
I'm not doing Cockney. Oh, please, come on. Give me your best Danny Dyer. It's not happening now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And so when morning comes, they start riding in towards town. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not long before we meet the first bounty hunter. Okay. The first bounty hunter is played by Arnold Schwarzenegger. Okay. Wow. Um, well, one thing I really wanted to do was, I thought that Michael Sarah some of the best jokes in, in the first film was that he's just going up against these people who there's no way in hell he could beat. True, true, yeah. So I thought I'd do the same here. Okay. Um, so... Oh, so it's the seven bounty hunters instead of the seven ex-boyfriends? Yes. Okay, right. Now, there's no, like, superpowers or anything weird like that in this one, so it's... At this point, it's just a straight fist fight okay. between Michael Cera and Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> now, see, Michael Cera is a lot smaller than... Arnold Schwarzenegger but Arnold Schwarzenegger is like 65 now yeah but he's yeah. still strong I'm sure he could still take it but yeah I, I, I don't think it'd be an entirely one-sided fight mm. it would be interesting to see well it was not decided as to whether to cast Arnold Schwarzenegger mm. or Elijah Wood yeah oh of course the, the two titans similar yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so they fight mm-hmm. uh, there's a well choreographed fight where somehow Michael Cera comes out on top okay. having beat Arnold Schwarzenegger into submission um <laughs> <laughs> interesting mental image <laughs> uh, yeah how would that go down how, how could you see that happening mm, the picture in my mind's eye of how would Michael Cera beat Arnold Schwarzenegger into submission and end up on top mm. um, <laughs> <laughs> mm. okay well one down yep. um, they ride on and after a while they come across another bounty hunter this one is played by Dwayne the Rock Johnson okay spotting a pattern here uh-huh. <laughs> They're not all just buff men. Okay. Hey, um, you populate your film with whatever you'd like. <laughs> <laughs> now, The Rock is very good on a horse. Okay. Um, oh, what's that sport in the Olympics? Um, the one where there's just like horses dancing about. Oh, dressage. Yeah, and so The Rock is very good on a horse, and he there's a bit of a dressage show. Oh, wow. And, well, essentially they... Neither of them can beat each other mm-hmm. um, in this dressage show. They're both equally good at it. What, are they having a dressage off? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> How is that a fight? Are they just... <laughs> just different things. Okay. So they have to agree on it somehow. Okay. So well, they're just both sat stony-faced on horses while the horses do a little... The Rock know. is a high-class trend. Okay. okay. What's he wearing? Uh, he's wearing uh, posh English riding gear. Okay. You know, red with a top hat. And... This film feels very anachronistic. <laughs> it's Cockney cowboys in English fox hunting gear playing dressage in the outback. I'm trying to do my best, Edgar Wright. I just think that's just crazy. I have a question. Mm. Who's this film for? Oh, come on. Don't (laughs) ask that question. Continue, continue. So they're having a dressage off. Yeah, they're having a dressage off and uh, they actually come to a draw. A dressage draw? Yeah, where neither of them have won. Um, I guess Ramona was the judge. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Is she still in chains? Uh, Yeah. Okay. So these bounty hunters are trying to get Ramona back from him. Is this the idea? Yes, okay, so right. that they can go and claim the bounty themselves. Right, okay, cool. I'm with you. And so to settle this draw, Ramona says, well, uh, whichever one of you can drump over that gorge there, um, then, you know, I, I, I guess you win. See where this is going. So the rock goes first, jumps over, doesn't make it, and he falls to his death. Well, he is a heavy man. He is a heavy man, yeah. Maybe the horse couldn't take him, I don't, yeah. I don't know. On to the next one. So Michael Cera does not attempt to jump the gorge. He doesn't need to. No. The rock's already dead. Oh, it's a good thing Ramona was feeling so helpful. I know. <laughs> Maybe she likes him. Yeah, okay. Well, what woman doesn't fall in love with their kidnapper in this kind of film? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So on to the next one, which... So instead of, I think, Chris Evans, maybe. Oh, no, Chris Evans would be Chris the Evans was the one. second one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Who was the third one? Uh, was the third one Brandon Roof? Yes, it was. Yes, the, ve- the vegan. Yes, yeah. I've cast Chris Pratt. As a vegan? <laughs> um, as a high-class chef. 
A high class chef. Okay. Mm-hmm. I thought I'd keep it food based. Okay, good. Yeah. Try to keep them all sort of slightly related to their original yeah, stories. Okay. Um, a high class Western chef. Yeah, high class Western chef. And so in this one, they have a bake off. Okay. Um, over campfires. Okay. <laughs> a slow battle. Is this a cake off to the death? Uh, yeah, well, maybe. Well, how, well, how do they you know, continue? Cooks the best cake. You know, maybe Paul and Mary come in and. Um, and the loser gets shot. That would really. That, that's the kind of thing I can imagine Channel 4 doing with Bake Off now that you know. <laughs> Whoever loses everyone just gets executed. <laughs> okay, sure. Yeah, so uh, Paul Hollywood and Mary Berry come in then and. Uh, mm-hmm. They also very familiar Western, you know. Yes, they, so they judge, mm-hmm. um, and luckily Chris Pratt loses. Okay, and he has to just leave. He has to leave. Oh, is there anything Scott Pilgrim can't do? He can bake. He can do dressage. He can fist fight. Like... He's an amazing man. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Now, the next one seemingly appears out of nowhere. Okay, and this person is masked uh-huh. with a scarf. So she's riding this very fast horse. Um, she doesn't even try and take Scott, doesn't even try and like fight Scott or anything. She just goes straight for Ramona and manages to steal Ramona off Scott, just like undo her chains to his horse or whatever it is. Okay. And so she just steals Ramona. And yeah, Scott's just lost her. He doesn't know where, where they've gone. And after a while, he tracks them down. Um, he catches up with them when they're sleeping in the evening. He sees where they are and there's some trees about and stuff like that. So he decides to set a few traps. Mm-hmm. Now in the morning, he comes up to the camp to try and sort of make them run or something um, and he sees that they're both just sitting by the fire eating breakfast and this bounty hunter turns around it's Judy Dench <laughs> <laughs> Dame Judy Dench Dame in, uh, Judy Dench what, what, how wary of her talents this is then so is she on a horse uh, she was at the time uh, and she's in a ninja outfit uh, y- yeah sure <laughs> oh, so you didn't mention that she, she, she... Uh, I said that she was masked but yeah, yeah. masked okay is sure. it skin tight uh, yeah, yes, cool. I, I, I think they should do that. Yeah, cool. yeah. She, see, she sees him and just goes, fuck off! Um, and runs, runs away. So can you repeat um, your Judy Dench impression, please? <laughs> fuck off! It's like she's in the room. I know. I can see her doing that. She want, runs away with Ramona tied to her with a small rope um, and immediately trips over a tripwire that uh, has been set up over the night. Oh, damn Judy, think about your hip. <laughs> Lands in a net, which immediately rises up and strings her, so she's just dangling upside down from a tree. Oh my god. Um, this woman's an Oscar winner. <laughs> this is Queen Victoria. You can't do this to her. <laughs> well, it's it M. Scott comes over and just says, She's mine now. Takes Ramona, just leaves. Okay. These are just dangling upside down in the tree. <sighs> Poor Dame oh, Judy. Oh, oh, maybe. He says, Stick around. No, hang about. Hang Stick around, hang around. Hang around. Oh. So he wins this round with puns. Puns, yes. Okay, fine, yeah. Puns are the best. Yeah. You know, I still feel, as demeaning and tiny as that role is, I still think she'd probably get an Oscar nomination for it. <laughs> <laughs> She's not Meryl, come on. Oh, why, why didn't I cast Meryl? That would have been great. Still time. Mm. Well, anyway, okay. So, on to the next one. So that afternoon, he comes across two bounty hunters at once. Okay. These two are brothers. Okay. Um, and for these ones, I've cast Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen. <gasps> Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm looking at, this is a very high quality cast so, so did the last one yeah well yeah the original film had a bunch of like up and coming young people who were just on the cusp of stardom like you've got mm-hmm. people who went like Aubrey Plaza people like Michael Cera but yeah so yeah it had a lot of up and coming stars and this, it feels like your version has a lot of stars of yesteryear mm-hmm. you've got Michael, Arnold Schwarzenegger Judi Dench Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart it's mm-hmm. a lot it's a lot of the great and good so yeah. now these ones mm-hmm. um, they are actually 
very good at martial arts. Okay. Um, I can see that. And they have a martial arts competition. Okay. The three of them. Uh, it's not going well. Mm-hmm. Michael Cera is, in fact, losing. In fact, he's clearly going to lose. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, on, he's on the floor. He's been knocked out or something. He's, okay, this one's he, an actual he, fight, then. It's not like it's just a martial arts display. Pretty much, yeah. Okay, because it yeah. seems a lot of these are more like, it's more like a talent show. Than yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so this one's a fight, potentially to the death. Okay. And he's losing. He's just about lost. Okay. And last minute, his friends in the pub turn up. Mm-hmm. The other bounty hunters. Oh, good. Um, and they managed to scare away Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart. Are they dressed as ghosts? Uh, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> scare away, because imagine going like, Ooh. Yeah, I was going to say that just with guns. Oh, okay, fair enough. You know, bringing a gun to a karate competition. Okay. Yeah, why is, why, why is Michael Serra not carrying a gun? Um, oh, I don't know. I did mention this. Uh, I did in, in my writing, I did mention this earlier, but I forgot to say. Okay. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he was. It's a weird world where, like, yeah, I'll have a bake-off with you instead of just shooting you. Yeah, yeah, you definitely created an unusual world here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's great. And uh, the three of them make it into town with Ramona. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not going to share the prize because his friends have taken pity on Scott and just said, yeah, you, you know, you, you, you battled through these, was it five, four bounty hunters already and we helped you out with these other two. So, yeah, that's good. And they get to the sheriff's office. To claim the bounty. But the sheriff doesn't pay up. He refuses and says, well, maybe I caught her. The sheriff is Elijah Wood. Oh, he's back. He's back. <laughs> and is this big Buff Elijah? It doesn't need to be Buff Elijah. Okay. Um, All that work. It can't just be for one role. <laughs> no, he's, he's not going to go lose, straight back. He's got to lose it now. Yeah, he's got to lose, <laughs> slim back down again. He's got to do a whole Christian Bale thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he doesn't want, doesn't want to give him the money. They're having this argument. Um, the sheriff's just going to take the money for himself. Um, Scott sees some antique shooting pistols on the wall and says, how about we shoot for the bounty? Finally, an actual gunfight. <laughs> mm-hmm. I like the sound of that. So they go outside, the whole town's there, mm-hmm. ready to be watching or whatever. And they walk to the end of either, uh, the either end of the street. They turn around with hands on their guns, ready to draw. Mm-hmm. Not too much, we'll get sued. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Leave it at that. <laughs> Can't afford those royalties. <laughs> <laughs> Ramona shouts, draw! And they do, and they both shoot, um, and they both actually hit each other in the chest. Okay. They both fall down. Michael Sarah and Elijah Wood. And Elijah Wood. They both fall down. Why have they never played siblings? I don't know. I can certainly imagine Michael Sarah as a hobbit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Anyway, do continue. Yeah, and so they're both lying on the ground, blood coming from the chest and stuff. Ramona runs away. Okay. As... I imagine she would. She's like, yeah. oh, this is great. And then all of a sudden, Scott starts breathing again. Okay. Um, to which the crowd, appro- the crowd applauds. There's a crowd? I mentioned that. There was a crowd. The, the, the whole town came out. Oh, right. sorry. I zoned out at that point. Yeah. Clearly. Okay. Thanks for listening. <laughs> sorry. I'm in it. I'm in it. I'm in it. <laughs> you need to do more voice work. That's... <sighs> I hate doing voice work. Um, and he stands up and from under a shirt, he reveals a kitchen wok. Oh, okay. From earlier. From the bake-off? From the bake-off, yes. Okay. He was carrying a, a wok under his chest the whole time. Uh, yeah, well, I could call it a baking tray, maybe. What do, you think, what do you think is more plausible? I feel like a baking tray is somewhat more plausible. You could, more I could subtle. imagine you strapping that to your torso. <laughs> yeah, don't, just imagine someone walking around with a wok sticking. Like, where's the handle? Just sticking out of his neck. Just not, not, not subtle. But... Yeah, and so he's just done a reveal very much like... Uh, oh, what was that uh, Clint Eastwood film that did it? The first one of the Spaghetti Western trilogy. The one that we did? No. That's the only one I've seen. Mm. That was a good, bad, and ugly. Episode 5. 
I think. No, it wasn't. No, that was the fifth element. Episode six. <laughs> Maybe. So an early episode. Yeah, and so he goes into the sheriff's office, comes up, collects the money, because um, the sheriff's not there to stop him anymore, and then rides off into the sunset behind Ramona. Mm-hmm. That's it. Also, they do end up together. Maybe. Even though she left him for dead. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, she, she, she left him for dead, and... He still rides off after her. That's not to say they get together or Oh, anything. okay, he's just pursuing her. They're not mm. ridden off in... When you said rid off into the sunset, I assumed, like, a romantic ending. No. So okay, she, fine. So yeah. the, 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 the quest so he, continues. He, he, he's, he's pursuing her. It could be for a romantic thing. It could be... For the bounty. It could be for the bounty. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's that. Okay. Um, questions? It's unusual. Yes. It's, uh, yeah, it takes some turns. <laughs> uh, it sounds like it'd be expensive to make and hard to sell, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I think that... Edgar Wright could do it. Mm-hmm. If, so, uh, yeah. if, if Baby Driver gets great reviews. It has done. It's made a lot of money. So yeah. I mean, I'm saying this, like I'm actually pitching this yeah. to, to happen. This is definitely going to be the next <laughs> film he makes. A remake of the last film he made, but as a Western. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> With yeah. Dame Judi Dench, <laughs> the, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and Ian McKellen. Mm. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and Elijah Wood, of course. The ultimate box office. Yeah, no, it was good. Well, it was something. <laughs> it was something. <laughs> Aubrey Plaza and Anna Kendrick aren't in this then, no? Nah, well, they didn't really have, like you said, they didn't really have massive roles in that first film, and Mm. I didn't have anything for them in this one. Yeah, I cut them out of mine as well. Mm. Okay, so mine is also a remake, actually. Okay. In fact, this is the closest we've come to doing having the same ideas. It's not the same, it's not a Western, Mm. but there are definite definite similarities in our approach Mm -hmm. this week, as you'll see. So my one is called Scott Pilgrim vs. Addiction. Right. Yes. And it's a remake. Mm. We're using the same actors. Uh, now, obviously, they are seven years older now, which is going to be a challenge. Uh, except, it actually, do you think any of them have aged? Some of them. Okay, yeah. sure. But it's actually okay if it, whether they have or not. It does it's fine because in my version, they're actually all drug addicts. Oh right. So <laughs> it doesn't matter if they look older in because that, that is what yeah. drug, that is what drugs do to you. Heroin does age you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So the reason for this is that watching this film, I realised that actually this film does have a lot of parallels with Train Spotting. I spot this quite a lot. Okay, I didn't know that you were doing a train spotting thing. Oh, I didn't mention yeah. that. So yeah, so this is basically, <laughs> yeah, so this is basically a remake of Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. That's also a remake of Train Spotting. Okay, it's bringing those two together. Yeah, yeah, because watching this film, I realised there's actually a lot of, tra- of parallels between Scott Pilgrim and Train Spotting. Okay, yeah. So, for example, there's lots of wild fantasy scenes. Mm. There is a huge cast of characters that seems kind of loosely related at best, and you know, just kind of drift in and out of the narrative. Mm-hmm. Nobody except Aubrey Plaza and Dana Kendrick appear to have a job. And they all appear to live in total squalor because they're in the little bed set. Mm. So, yeah, I just was very struck by the similarities between the two films. So we open at a sex Bob Om gig. <laughs> God, that name pissed me off. Really? Oh, such an annoying name, yeah. Nah, sure. Yeah. So we see the band playing their amazing, amazing music mm. to a huge crowd of adoring fans. Mm-hmm. But then we cut to reality and they're actually in a grotty basement venue playing terribly to a crowd of four people. <laughs> And the reason they all think they're amazing is that they're all off their faces on liquid ecstasy. Okay, yeah. yeah. So so after the gig, they stagger out of the venue and they go to a local nightclub. So this is, this is the band from the original film. So this is Michael Sarah, mm. Alison Pill and the guy. Um, so they stagger out of the venue and they go to a local nightclub still, you know, high on ecstasy, where Scott pulls an attractive Asian girl. Mm-hmm. Um, goes back to her house and they have sex. And then he wakes up the next day in a strange bedroom, face down in a pool of his own vomit. <laughs> And goes downstairs in this strange house. Mm. Uh, realises to his horror that Knives, for it is she, mm. uh, is a high school student. Ah. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to age Knives down in my one. Because in the Scott Pilgrim, Knives is 18. Mm-hmm. I'm aging her down to 15 for this. Okay. Yeah. Because one problem I really had with this one was how much infantilised poor Knives. 
Like she was just more puppy than human. She was just this poor, obsessed little creature who was just following him around and just had no, appeared to have no dignity whatsoever and no mm-hmm. maturity. So it felt much she was younger than she was being portrayed. Mm. Basically, my premise for this film is that Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, the movie that exists, is the version of reality that Scott Pilgrim tells himself in his own head. Okay. Whereas this film is the reality. Mm. This is the actual reality of what happened mm-hmm. without, without all the you know, special effects and things. So in his own head, because he's trying to justify the fact that he's essentially committed statutory rape, uh, he is aging Knives up. So he says she's 18, but she's actually 15. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, he sleeps with Knives. So he runs from Knives' house back to his, the squat where he lives his life, mm-hmm. uh, where he finds the band all semi-comatose playing computer games. So they're playing all the computer games that reflect the games from the original film. Right, yeah. Because, you, know? you know, that when people when druggies aren't on drugs, they tend to play a lot of computer games. <laughs> just, just as a broad rule, you know. Okay, yeah. The squad is inhabited by the band and also Wallace, i.e. Kieran Culkin's character, who is Scott's best friend, who also occasionally sucks him off. Right. I want to see a very graphic Michael Sarah Kieran Culkin blowjob scene. Do you? Yes, I do. Mm. It's not going to be a sexy blowjob, though. <laughs> it's going to be like a sad, one of those sad, desperate, seedy, desperate blowjobs. You know yeah. the type. You know them. Like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm just saying. You, know, you can imagine. You know, one of those. So anyway, so knives. Poor young impressionable knives. Mm-hmm. She's blind to Scott's obvious grossness and drug addiction, mm-hmm. and she falls in love with him, and starts following him around basically, and turning up at the squat. And Scott's not a total monster, so he does try and keep her at arm's length. He doesn't want to get sucked into this mm-hmm. drug world that he lives in. Mm-hmm. But she's very persistent, and soon enough, she too is hanging around and also becomes a drug addict. Yeah. So one day, in the middle of a typical drug binge, uh, Scott manages to scrape enough money together to order a pizza mm-hmm. to be delivered. So the pizza is delivered by a beautiful young woman named Ramona, mm-hmm. still played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Okay. Uh, and it is love at first sight Aww. for him. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he asks that's her, romantic <laughs> yes so he asks to go on a date with him and she's like no you're clearly a drug addict and you look and smell disgusting so no I will not mm. date you but he persists and having cripplingly low self-esteem she eventually does agree to meet him for coffee mm-hmm. and so they go for coffee and they have a chat and they're making a connection and it's all going really really nicely mm-hmm. until he shits himself <laughs> and then okay because he's a drug addict yeah and then she's like I'm out and but in his drug adult mind they are now deeply in love and he starts to stalk her mm. and it's very much like Charlie and the Waitress from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. he's just so blinded by love that you can't see that she's just not interested in the slices yeah um, so to try and impress her he does attempt to clean up a bit and kind of throw some more time into the band and consequently the band actually gets better because they were terrible and they start getting some better gigs including a gig at a, a half decent cl- club in town which Ramona attends out of kind of pity and curiosity mm. like so she goes to this gig. After he plays the gig, he approaches Ramona and starts trying to hit on her again, making her very uncomfortable. Mm. It doesn't work. She rejects him. And then he kind of staggers out to the back, a back alley to smoke. And as he does that, he's approached by a tall Indian man who happens to be Ramona's ex-boyfriend. Okay. Yeah. And this ex-boyfriend warns Scott to, to back off and leave her alone. He's like, you're making Ramona uncomfortable. Mm. You need to leave her, leave her be. Mm-hmm. Scott doesn't take this very well. And they end up in a fist fight. And initially Matthew, because apparently that was his name. Who knew? Um, that's a Wikipedia, that one. Um, so initially Matthew has the upper hand because he's, you know, he's taller and not a drug addict and mm-hmm. not Michael Serra. Mm-hmm. So, you know. so he has the upper hand and he attempts to kind of toss Scott into the streets. But in his last moments of struggle, Scott manages to land a really hard punch and Matthew hits his head against the back of a wall, chats his skull and dies. Right. Yep. 
Okay. So because they're alone in this back alley, nobody saw it. So Scott's able to take the body and throw it into the nearby river without anybody seeing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Dark. You, you, you did. You did mention last week. I've not gone dark in a while. So I've yeah, you, 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 you've done it this time. Yep. So and that's basically the start of the, the main plot of this version, my version of the film, which is the seven evil exes actually turn out to be the seven entirely reasonable exes <laughs> who just attempt to step in whenever Scott is sexually harassing Ramona. Mm. Each time it ends up with him killing them. So yeah. okay. So the second ex was the Chris Evans character. Yes. Who was a skateboarding movie star. In so these all going to be the same people in... Yeah, same actors, same thing. So Great. the second one's Chris Evans again, who he was a skateboarding stuntman movie star. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in my version, because the, the idea of this is that none of the things are as fantastical as what happens in the movie. Mm-hmm. That movie. The movie is a fantasy and this is the grim, bleak reality. Mm-hmm. So in this version, instead of doing a wicked skateboard stunt and then falling at the last minute, mm-hmm. in this one, Scott basically just pushes him off his skateboard into moving traffic and he gets hit by a car. So. <laughs> uh, and then the third one was the vegan, played by Brandon Roof. Yes. So in the original, he defeats him by tricking him into eating dairy. How do you think we're going to do that? Poison? Poison. I was thinking some kind of poisoning, yeah. I was thinking maybe he stabs him with a dirty heroin needle and gives him hepatitis. Yes. Yeah. I like it. No. Does he die from hepatitis? It's not good. Okay. You, yeah, some of them can die they, You said they all die. Yeah, well, he doesn't necessarily die right away. You know? Okay, yeah. So, that happens. A bit harsh, but... Yeah. Okay. Well, I suppose compared to the other two murders. Yes. <laughs> uh, so the fourth one was the lesbian played by Mae Whitman. Mm. Who he defeated by touching her knee, causing her to oh, yeah. <laughs> orgasm to death? Was that yeah. what was supposed to happen? Yes, that's what happened. Okay, fine. So I'm thinking... <laughs> Sorry. I, I, you enjoy this film a lot. I don't know why I don't know why that really... Yeah. Sorry. Carry on. Carry oh, on. I want to dig into this now. No, <laughs> just, I, I really found it funny. That's all. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> I feel bad about how much I dislike this film now, since you clearly loved it. But, uh, never mind. Oh, I like all kinds of shit. Oh, no, you don't have to apologise for it. I still like 50 First Dates. Ugh, don't get me started on that. <laughs> so the fourth one, I say, so... If, if you like hearing John complain, whew, oh, that, yeah. that's... In fact, that's, that's not even a, a, an episode where you complain so much, but oh my God, your hate for Adam Sandler. <laughs> <sighs> let's, let, let's not open that. That, went, that went for like a three-episode stint. Yeah, yeah it, it, it's, it's my version of Big Daddy. It just mm. crops up every now and again. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Running theme. So, so my version, I think he's just going to have to kneecap her with a crowbar instead. <laughs> he's going to run up to a hit with a crowbar in the kneecaps and just like, you know. I don't know why I laughed at that. <laughs> yeah, just it's a funny image. No, it's horrifying. It's, yeah, yeah, it's hilarious. Yeah, mm. I'm not sure if this one's dark, funny, or just dark, dark. Mm. What have you got? Anyway, no, no, no. I mean, talking in general. Yeah. <laughs> so then we're going to get a bit of a break from the exes for a while, and we're going to go back to the squat, mm-hmm. where one terrible day, in his you know, drug fugue state, Scott is woken to the sound of Gay Wallace screaming. So okay. he's just standing. What scream. kind of what kind of scream? Just screaming in horror. Okay. You'll see, you'll understand that. So he staggers into the bedroom and he finds that poor little Knives has starved to death. Wow. So Knives is basically the baby from Trainspotting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So this inspires Scott to really try and straighten up. And so he manages to go cold turkey on his drugs. So what is she, like 15, 16, did he say? 15, yeah. But yeah. she's so infantilized and she's become a, she's basically moved into the squat, become a heroin addict and just starved to death because she was too helpless to look out for herself. Oh, great. Yeah. Do carry on. Yeah. So... This inspires Scott to straighten up and he manages to kind of go cold turkey on his drug addiction. Mm. During which time he sees a vision of knives crawling across the ceiling with her head spitting 360 degrees. Which is okay, yeah. Terrifying. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as he sobers up, the music continues to get better. The band are getting better. They end up on the lineup for a Battle of the Bands competition mm. uh, against Ramona's two exes, the twins. Mm-hmm. So the twins are clearly much more talented mm. and they win the battle hands down and Scott is humiliated. 
So he ends up going on a massive bender. He relapses through the humiliation of losing the Battle of the Bands. Yeah. And he ends up stalking the brothers back home and beating them to death with his guitar. Hmm. So yeah, so then they're dead. Lovely, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I thought it might be cool, just as a sidebar, to have this movie shot in split screen. So you've got the original movie playing on one side and my movie playing on the other side. So they're exactly the same timings? Yes. Okay, interesting. Yeah, so you, so you can see like the... Or maybe it's an occasional split screen just to remind you of the difference between the two. Mm-hmm. So it's like the kind of... How he sees it in his head. Yeah, versus what's really happening. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, so, so this, this isn't just a horrible description of grim well, bleak actually, things. There was um, the most recent episode of Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to spoil anything for any listeners. Oh no, please don't. <laughs> One of the characters uh, gets turned into a Cyberman. Okay. And then you see things from this character's point of view and as far as they, they see, nothing's changed. Mm-hmm. They're still exactly themselves and it's it's still that actor playing that part. But then when other people are looking at that person, um, they see a Cyberman. Oh, okay. And even the same script and everything, but it's being played through a Cyberman's voice instead of the actor's voice. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, it was done quite well, actually. And I could see this being a little similar to this. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm going with it, I guess. Yeah. Well, he's not... Spoiler alert, nobody's going to become a Cyberman at the end of this. But, oh. so, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I like the idea of having the split screen to kind uh-huh. of underline the reality versus fantasy elements. Yeah. So... After this, so he, once again, he takes the bodies, throws them into what's now a very corpse-filled river, mm. and he's cleaned up the crime scene, and he goes back to find that his band is talking to a local record producer uh, and club promoter called Gideon, mm. and this is the Jason Schwartzman character, yeah. the seventh evil ex, the, the evilest of the evil exes. The most reasonable of the seven people. Yes, basically. <laughs> well, actually, no, to be fair, this, he genuinely is evil in my version, too. Oh, okay. He's the only one who is actually evil in my one. So he claims he likes the band's sound, and he wants to help take them to the next level. But as it turns out, he's actually a powerful local criminal. And he's just using his club as a front for drug dealing and prostitution, basically. Right. So he's also Ramona's seventh ex, obviously. Uh, but the trauma of having been of being stalked and by Scott and having all of her other exes mysteriously disappear has caused Ramona to kind of have her own spiral. Mm. So she's now ended up back in back with him. Mm-hmm. She's, she's on drugs too, and it's, it's a whole big mess. Mm-hmm. So Gideon isn't going to be so easy to kill because he's powerful and he's also always got he's always armed he's always packing heat mm-hmm. so Scott can't just like beat him to death or kneecap him so mm-hmm. he also uses a supply of drugs and false promises about taking the band to the next level um, to manipulate them into doing his criminal bidding when in reality he's got no intention because they're, they're not they're, they're not good musicians they're terrible so mm-hmm. I, I might have mentioned that a few times yes so <laughs> So basically what I'm doing here is attempting to blend the characters of Gideon from Scott Pilgrim mm-hmm. and the Robert Carlyle character from Trainspotting. Okay, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, that, it's that kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. That, that's my thought process. So everyone's going to be really afraid of him and he's going to pull Scott and the band into this deeper into this criminal underworld. Because mm-hmm. they're just, they're just drug, de- drug addicts. They're not criminals mm-hmm. themselves, but now they're being pulled into this world. So he promises the band that he will sign them to a major record label if and only if they can steal a batch of the finest grade heroin from a very dangerous rival gang that's being delivered that night. So, because they're desperate and they're all high on drugs, they agree. So they go and attempt this robbery. It, obviously, it goes horribly wrong because they're terrible, useless criminals. Mm-hmm. And they all end up getting shot and killed, with the exception of Scott, who managed to escape with the heroin. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, consumed with thirst for revenge, he turns up at Gideon's club, much like Scott Pilgrim turns up at the club at the end of the, mm-hmm. the film. And he's got the drugs, and he's also got a giant ninja sword, mm-hmm. much like the ones he saw in his favourite video games, mm-hmm. uh, and much like the one he uses in his fantasy battle in the... Yeah film yeah um so he shows Gideon the drugs but he says if you want to get them you have to come and fight me to the death for them so he raises his sword lets out an epic war cry 
and Gideon shoots him in the chest. Much like your one. So Scott's lying there, apparently dead. Mm. And Gideon and Ramona decide to celebrate by sampling the goods. So he goes over to Scott's corpse, takes the heroin, and they both inject. Uh, but as soon as he injects it, he has a massive seizure and starts foaming at the mouth. And then Scott stands up, revealing not a wok, but a bulletproof jacket. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhat more realistic. But, you know. Sure, that's just going with you know, what, what he had available to him. Fair enough, yeah. yeah. Would, would, a bullet, would a wok even work as a bullet? Would a wok stop a bullet? I don't know. Should we test it? No. I've got a wok. I've got a loaded gun. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's many things in my story that didn't pan out. Like uh, cr- pan out. Da, da, da. Oh, Sorry, dear. That was. Uh... <laughs> um, so Scott stands up, revealing he was wearing a bulletproof jacket the whole time, and he actually traded the good heroin for some very cheap and dangerous local mix. Mm-hmm. So he tenderly picks up Ramona, who's also foaming at the mouth, and he takes her to the hospital to get her stomach pumped, mm-hmm. uh, leaving Gideon to choke to death on his own vomit. I don't think having your stomach pumped would help if you've injected something into you, wouldn't it? Well, think about it. What's uh, the stomach got to do with anything? If she swallowed pills or something, then yeah. But actually, I'm not using enough heroin, clearly. No. <laughs> okay. Well, he takes her to the hospital, so whatever. Yeah, sure. He picks her up and carries her somewhere. Maybe he just takes her home. I don't mm-hmm. know. Leaving Gideon to choke to death on his own vomit. And then, so the end credits then roll with you know, a nice romantic song while he's kind of like struggling, probably dropping her a few times. Just awkward, What's, you know? What romantic song? I don't know. What, what was the song at the end of the credits of the film? It was just more sort of Scott Pilgrim style music. Oh, really? Okay. So maybe some of that then. Yeah. Or, I don't know. What, a bit more punk rock? Yeah, maybe. Or, I don't know. Maybe Choose Life, <laughs> the song from Trainspotting. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I like it. And, yeah, and that's the end of um, Scott Pilgrim versus Addiction. Scott Pilgrim versus Addiction. Mm-hmm. Good one. Good one. Mm-hmm. Another 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 classic John story. Yeah. Nice dark one. Yeah, I'm trying to bring it back. You know, I'm giving the people what they want, apparently. Mm-hmm. You've gone darker. Yeah, yeah, no, I haven't. Yeah. yeah, you haven't made me angry. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I don't Should have killed more cats. Yeah, may- maybe. Well, don't you ever do that again. <laughs> okay, well, good one. Cool. What uh, what have the listeners come up with? Oh, we had a lot this week. Right. Re- some really good ones. So I might have to just do some so I guess, highlights. I guess this film was a good pick then. It was, in, <laughs> Pop- yeah, it was definitely, definitely a popular choice. Mm-hmm. So here, here are some of the best ones we've had, because we did have a lot. So we have Dat's Life, at Dat's Life, who suggested Scott Pilgrim versus Man versus Food. <laughs> okay. Uh, taking inspiration from the TV show Man vs. Food mm. such a good show Scott Pilgrim has to take on some colossal dinners seven colossal dinners <laughs> can he handle it? we'll find out two of our listeners came up with the idea of Scott Pilgrim vs. Predator oh yeah, yeah. yeah or Scott okay. Pilgrim vs. Alien vs. Predator oh I feel like I should have come up with that but yeah okay who was the evil ex that Ramona didn't mention <laughs> <laughs> okay I guess that's, that's Predator that's yeah it, Jack and the Geek Stalk uh, their idea was Scott vs. The World's End so bringing two okay yeah two Edgar Wright films together so in this one Scott and Ramona's relationship doesn't last much past the closing credits of the previous film with no excitement of a constant battle to keep it going so Scott drowns his sorrows at a local pub but finds a challenger waiting who tells Scott that all the pubs in towns are being turned into Tex-Mex restaurants and so it becomes Scott versus seven evil Tex-Mexes <laughs> and he needs to defeat them all to preserve his beloved watering holes before challenging the final boss to the, at the world's end the angry Texan okay heavy metal horror cast Scott Pilgrim versus Pilgrim's Cheddar. Right. A brand named Cheddar Cheese has become sentient. And the only one man can save us for its curdy rampage. And that is Scott Pilgrim. Because he's the only person on earth who's not lactose intolerant. So. <laughs> Michael Sarah looks lactose intolerant. He does. He, I struggle to believe he'd be the one person who's immune to that. But other than that, good call. Great. Yeah. Uh, here's one. Super Nerds UK. Scott Pilgrim Unboxed. 
In this one, Scott Pilgrim is fighting, rather than fighting seven X's with video game references, he's fighting seven X's that have powers connected to board games. Oh, okay. Like so what? Kind of like Jumanji, I guess. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so one X throws a dice that explodes on impact. The other one can make a giant snake and lad- snakes and ladders appear uh-huh. and send you wherever he wants to go, etc. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Good, good. Mm-hmm. There were a couple who suggested that it'd be a switch, like you said, a switch in which it's Ramona Flowers versus the universe, mm-hmm. which I think is a very good idea. Mm-hmm. Give her something to do. So Wizard said, someone goes back in time and stops this movie from getting made because it's trash. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. Uh, similarly, video, at Video Negative, Scott Pilgrim versus a decent screenplay. Wow. This Can't, is uh, yeah. contentious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although Keith Bloomfield says, no sequel, it doesn't need it. And El Polo Capitan at The Game Act says, Bob, Bob Pilgrim versus Erin Brogovich. And this is Scott's father is revealed to be the director of Pacific Gas and must fight Julia Roberts to the death. Sure. <laughs> And finally, Blokebusters, Scott has a midlife crisis and must battle the seven stages of grief in human form. And it's going to be directed by Quentin Tarantino. Mm. I like that because I like the idea that one of them should definitely be played by Uma Thurman. Because mm. I definitely want to see Uma Thurman and Michael Cera throw down. Yes. I'm um, pretty sure Uma Thurman would win. Uh, also, Samuel L. Jackson, where would he fit into this? Oh, good point. Mm. Who was he, was he? He wasn't in Kill Bill, was he? I'm, uh, I'm thinking Kill no, Bill there. That's the one thing he's not been in. Yeah. Which of the seven stages? What are the seven stages of grief? They're like anger, denial, bargaining, despair, acceptance. What are the other two? I don't know. Grief, maybe. Oh no, grief is no grief. Can't be a stage of grief. <laughs> I don't think it'd be anger. Maybe it'd be bargaining. Bargaining, so maybe, be yeah. bargaining. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That, yeah, that, 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 I like the idea. That. <laughs> that, 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 there's some good. That casting. is a really good one, actually. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, thank you for all of those guys and keep them coming. If you have any ideas for sequels you'd like to see to Scott Pilgrim vs. the World or any film we've done in the past or any film we do in the future, please let us know. We are Beyond the Box Set. You can find us at beyondtheboxset.com. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. I think that's it. Hmm. Um, yeah, and Beyond the Box Set on all of them. We've got the, got the same handle on everything. So mm-hmm. happy. Just purely for your convenience as listeners. Yeah. yeah. Um, also our convenience, we don't have to say it every single time. True, yes. Um, okay, well, so it's my turn to pick a film next week. It is. Mm. Um, I've been... Waiting quite a while to do. I don't know. You're waiting to do this. I've been looking forward to doing this one for a while. Okay. Should I be um, nervous? Uh, maybe. I kind of expect you to take this one to a dark place. Okay. Um, we'll see. <laughs> I've decided to pick the Sixth Sense. Ooh. Okay. Okay. It's yeah. going to be a really good one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I can see what I could do with that. Okay. Cool. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. So that'll be next week. So. Um, if you haven't already, then please give subs- a subscribe and review mm-hmm. um, on we're on iTunes, we're on Stitcher, uh, all good podcasting networks. Acast, Acast, Player FM, Overcast. Player. Yeah, anything you can think of. We're probably on it. We're probably on it. If not, message us and we'll be on it. Yes, and we'll be on the box set and all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So see you all next week for the Sixth Sense. Yeah. See you next week. Bye. Bye.